There is a lot that is going on in the scriptures today between the first reading, the second reading, and and the gospel that we hear. I want to start off by looking at this book of Isaiah uh, that we hear in the first reading today. We know that Isaiah was speaking to the people of Israel as they were in the Babylonian captivity. They were supposedly the chosen people of God. That's who they claimed to be. They claimed that God had visited them, that he had called Abraham out of, of Ur, of the Chaldees, and given him, really, this beautiful calling of being God's chosen people. So you have to imagine the sense of embarrassment that they would feel as they're led off into captivity, as they're in this Babylonian exile. You can just imagine seeing these people around them, these other people in the Mediterranean region. You're the chosen people. How, how's that working out for you? Like just this kind of sneering, snide, like, look at you guys. Who are you? Imagine just the embarrassment of of this reality. So Isaiah is one of the prophets. He's speaking this message that God is giving to him to speak to the people of Israel. And what does he say? He reminds them of God's plan and his design. He says, the Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin so shall your builder marry you. Look at the word builder. It actually has a capital B. You can't hear that, but you can see it when you're reading it. It's a capital B, which should for us evoke this sense of this supreme architect, the one who created everything, the one who created the stars and the heavens and the galaxies and put the planets in motion around, around the stars. Like This is... This is the God of the universe, the God, the creator of the universe. And what is he going to do? He says he's going to marry his people. He's going to be so closely united to them. You can't think of a more intimate type of relationship than the one that God desires to have with his people, Israel. This is not some far off, set everything off in motion and let it run off the tracks. This is a God who's going to be with his people all the way through everything that they experience. He's not going to abandon them. He's going to be close. He says he's going to marry them. So don't be surprised when the very first act of ministry that Jesus does is where? It's at a wedding. The very first act of public ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of John is at a wedding, at a marriage. There's a reason for that. We know that some theologians speak of Jesus himself as a marriage. The person of Jesus is a marriage between heaven and earth. The person of Jesus is a marriage between humanity and divinity. Within his very person, he unites God and man. That's who he is. So, we come to this wedding at Cana. Jesus, the God-man, coming to celebrate with these people. We know that Jewish wedding celebrations would last for a week. It wasn't like this, you have this wedding at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then you have a little party, a big party at the ball, and then people go home. Like, this was like a week-long celebration. 
That's why it says that they needed to have six stone water jars, each holding wine 20 to 30 gallons. And that's a lot of wine. This was a week-long Jewish wedding celebration. You can just imagine the embarrassment of the bridegroom, of the host. The wedding is gone. They have no more left. What are they going to do? We can't read this story merely as Jesus just showing up and giving them a little bit more wine for the party. Because if we do that, we just entirely miss the meaning of John's symbolism in the gospel that he's trying to do. What is wine? Wine in Scripture is a symbol of celebration. It's a symbol of joy. It's a symbol of the divine intoxication of the Spirit. It's a symbol of the joy that only God can bring in the midst of life. What would be the opposite of that? It would be sin. Sin would be the opposite of the celebration and the joy of life that God brings. It would be turning in on oneself. It would be caving in to everything that's base and ignoble. So what does Jesus do about this? Jesus himself provides the new wine. Where? From the cross. Jesus' blood is the new wine poured out for you and for me for the sake of eternal life and eternal joy. How do you and I receive that? Every time that we come forward to the altar, we receive the Eucharist. We receive Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. We receive him. Jesus, who is this perfect marriage of heaven and earth, of divinity and humanity, poured out in love for us as bride of the church, who feed us, to give us strength for the journey, to give us healing and wholeness, and give us peace and joy and divine intoxication. That's what he's trying to do. So we receive that at the Eucharist every time that we come forward, God himself giving himself to us. How else do we receive it? I love the very last words that Mary speaks in Scripture. Mother of Jesus, the very last thing that she says, her last will and testament for all of us, we hear it in the Gospel today. She says this, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. You can't act, you can't imagine anything more embarrassing and more humiliating than the crucifixion. The people of Israel, embarrassed. Where's your God? He's abandoned you. Jesus Christ on the cross, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We look at the cross and we see that Jesus has this tunic around himself. The actual crucifixion, he would have been stripped naked. For obvious reasons, we have to have a cloth on him in every church. 
the supreme act of embarrassment, the supreme act of humility, for us becomes the supreme act of life-giving blood, wine poured out from the cross for us. We get to receive every time we come to Mass. Every time. The Lord comes to feed us. So, when we find ourselves in the midst of humiliation, embarrassment, in the midst of whatever life seems to throw at us, and we think, God, where are you? What are you doing? We don't see you. He gives himself in love to the very last drop of blood. Let's pray for the grace to be able to receive that. For the grace to respond as Mary's words, to respond to them, do whatever he tells you.